Today's episode of A Fork in Time is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. Uh, to take advantage of that offer, just go to audibletrial.com slash a fork in time, and there you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It really is just that easy. So again, go to audibletrial.com slash a fork in time. I think you'll be happy you did. Welcome back to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast, and it's Alexis back in the host chair today. It's been a while, guys, but I'm extremely happy to be back with you all. As you probably know, hosting and producing the podcast is not my main job. On a typical day, you'll find me doing marketing for a nonprofit organization where I live in Galveston. And for the month of February into March, that typically means I'm traveling at least a few days out of every single week. I joke all the time that I literally live with my suitcase just sitting open on the edge of my couch because it makes no sense to put it back up when I get home from a trip since I have to just repack it again in a few days. However, all that traveling takes me through some fun places in Texas and even into Louisiana a little bit. So I came back with some ideas for some future episodes, so stay tuned for those. Anyway, I say all that to say that I'm back and I'm happy to be joining you all again, so let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. For today's topic, we're going to be once again talking about something very timely. I'm actually recording on the anniversary of when this takes place in history. That is the assassination of Julius Caesar, which took place on March 15th of 44 BCE. I'm going to spend quite a little bit of time on the podcast today talking about the events that led up to our fourth today. That fourth being, what if Julius Caesar had lived past March 15th of 44 BCE? There are two forks you can take with that event, one being is that he is attacked and survives, and the other being that he is never attacked at all. And we'll touch on both of those, but I think it's important to understand what the events were that led to the conspirators deciding their best option was to kill Julius Caesar on March 15th of 44 BCE. A little bit of background first on Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was born in 100 BCE as Gaius Julius Caesar to a patrician family family with distinguished ancestry. A patrician family was one that were members of the ancient hereditary nobility and they were wealthy landowners. Caesar quickly learned that forging a network of alliances and patronages was crucial to his success in politics. He spent vast amounts of money to buy influence and positions, eventually teaming up with the two other leading men in Rome at the time, Crassus and Pompey, to form the first triumvirate. Over the next decade of his life, he built a provincial power base in Gaul, which is modern-day France, and without the approval of the Senate, he actually launched a series of campaigns that made him the master of Western Europe. All of this earned him many opponents among the governing classes. And we all see where this is heading, but we'll get to that. 
In January of 44 BCE, Julius was named perpetual dictator by the Senate in a decision that made several senators nervous that Caesar wanted to overthrow the democracy and institute a monarchy with himself as king. Caesar also instituted some far-reaching reforms during his time in power. He instituted social reforms, including the advent of the Julian calendar. For more on that topic, check out our actual first episode of 2020, episode 34, Do We Have Mercedonius This Year? He also gave citizenship to people living in the far regions of the Roman Republic, particularly particularly those living in what is now modern-day Spain and France. He also supported veterans, he initiated land reform, and he enlarged the Senate. It was a fairly recent development that those from the plebeian or the working class were actually allowed office in the Senate. Um, Previously, those positions were restricted to those from the noble families, the patrician families, such as Caesar's. In addition to his military exploits being a cause for concern among some of the Roman leaders, Caesar's reforms also angered the elites in government who began to conspire against him. They saw Caesar as tyrannical and wanted to rescue the Republic from what they saw as the hands of a despot. All of this leads up to where we find ourselves for the podcast today. The Steps of the Senate on March 14th of 44 BCE. But for a little bit longer, let's stick with the real timeline of history. Julius Caesar dies on that fateful day. Following his death, a new series of civil wars break out. The Roman lower classes, with whom Caesar was extremely popular as we've talked about, became enraged that a small group of nobility had sacrificed Caesar. In the aftermath of these civil wars, the constitutional government of the Republic is never able to be fully restored. In 40 BCE, you have to remember we're before the common area, so the number has actually count up, count backwards as we go closer. So 40 is actually closer to our modern timeline than 44 is. So in 40 of BCE, the triumvirate of Mark Antony, Lepidus, and of course Octavian, who is Caesar's adopted son and heir, met to carve out the Roman world. Initially, Africa was given to Lepidus, the east was given to Mark Antony, and Octavian took the west. But not long after that, Octavian went to war against Mark Antony in North, North Africa, and after defeating him, became master of the entire Roman world. He rose to sole power, and he was able to create a new political arrangement that enabled him to rule as emperor, which brought an end to the 500-year-old Roman Republic in all but name. The Roman Empire was now officially on the rise. But before we move on, I just want to point out the irony in this whole scenario that might be obvious, but I still think it's worth saying. Caesar was assassinated because his enemies thought he was going to elect himself king, but in reality it was his assassination that provided the springboard for his successor Octavian and those after him to declare themselves emperor. In trying to prevent it, his attackers actually brought about the thing they were trying to prevent, um, a monarch bringing the end of the Roman Republic. So in trying to take out Caesar, Julius Caesar, uh, who they thought was this despot, and who they thought was eventually going to become an emperor, they essentially kind of springboarded and actually um, necessitated that, or, you know, brought that process forward faster. Okay, so that's enough of the what did for now. We'll circle back around later. Let's move on to the focus of the podcast, which is the what if. 
And as I mentioned earlier, today's what if is what if Julius Caesar was able to walk away from the Senate building on March 15th. The first possibility is that Caesar isn't attacked at all. However, I don't really see this as possible. Um, as we've seen so far, his policies made him unpopular with many people in the Senate. And while there might have been a delay in the attack, possibly for up to as long as a few years, uh, I think the question of his enemies plotting against him was not a question of if, but ultimately when. The more plausible scenario is that he's injured, but ultimately survives, and this is the fork that I'm going to explore. The first thing that would have happened in this scenario is easy to deduce because it was already occurring in the real timeline, and that is that Caesar would have been admired by the common man who would have seen him as someone who was willing to be martyred to make their lives better. He had already initiated these you know, reforms, these things that they thought were improving their lives, so if Caesar is injured, you have this impetus of these common people being like, he was willing to go to bat for us, and these people were trying to kill him for it. So from there, it naturally follows that we would have seen attack on the atta attacks on the attackers. Because the conspirators were successful in the real timeline, there wasn't really an opportunity for revenge as the new re regime moved in and took over. If Caesar is hurt but doesn't die, that leaves the path open for what I think would have essentially been revenge killings and retribution. Uh, Caesar was hurt, but he was still around to protect these people. Uh, the people who had, he had made all these reforms for would have not only felt justified, but secured to go after the ones who had hurt who they saw as their defender. Because of these revenge killings, retribution and infighting in the Republic would have been uh, meant the Republic would have been much more uh, turned inward, uh, focused on itself and not able to look outwards. You wouldn't have seen the Roman Republic, which of course uh, transformed into the, Roma, the Roman Empire and lasted for another 400 years, be able to expand in, into places like Britain, uh, Dacia, which is modern-day Romania, Egypt, Mauritania, and North Africa, which includes uh, a vast swath but includes uh, modern-day Algeria, and even towards the present-day Middle East with Mesopotamia and Syria. Instead, you would have seen a weak republic that was too busy worrying about fighting the man next to him and easily absorbed into the other dominant cultures of the day. People would have seen this Roman Republic kind of collapsing in on itself and were going to take advantage of that. So you would have seen possibly uh, empires from as far away as uh, the East with China, with the dynasties there, or with uh, different uh, empires that were in place at the time. They would have been able to come and swoop in and essentially take over uh, what became the Roman Empire and what at this point was the Roman Republic. So in what might be an unpopular opinion, I'm actually going to side with the senators on that March day. Now, don't hear me saying that there weren't some bad moments following Caesar's death, because believe me, there were. And bad is probably an understatement. War, murder, backstabbing, and more. But with the stability that was able to be engendered by the founding of the Roman Empire, it ushered in a period so peaceful it's actually known to historians as the Pax Romana, or period of peace, Roman peace. So it's a period of growth in trade, economic activity, population growth, and general prosperity for the people. I think this is actually an example of a terrible event, in this case the death of someone in power at the hands of others in power, actually causing something positive to take place of a after a time. Of course, there are some growing pains as things adjust, but in the long run, I think it was better 
uh, than what would have happened if Julius Caesar had not been assassinated on March four, March 15th of 44 BC. I think author Marcus Cowper puts it best. Uh, he actually sums it up in uh, a few sentences that I really like. The glory days of the Roman Empire resulted in the construction of some architectural masterpieces, including the Colosseum in Rome and Hadrian's Wall in Britain, which still stand till this day, while early Imperial Rome also saw the flourishing of Latin literature with poets such as Ovid and Virgil and works of historians such as Livy. And to get there took someone who was willing to push boundaries even further than I think Caesar was willing to go, and it took a shake-up to the system that would have only happened with a monumental event, in this case, an assassination. So that does it for this episode of What Would Have Happened If Julius Caesar Had Survived the Ides of March. It's a little bit short. We're a little on the short side today, but again, I'm jumping back in, and we'll get longer as I kind of get, get my get my mojo going again from that month of travel. I want to thank you again for joining me today for this episode of A Fork in Time. I promise it won't be as long again before you hear from me. And as always, we love having you on the podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, please visit our website at aforkintimepodcast.com. From there, you will see links to all of our various podcatchers where you can access the podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. They'll just appear on your feed without you having to do any work. That's my favorite way to catch the new episodes of the podcast I listen to regularly, including this one, because I even listen to our episodes, even the ones I'm on. You you can also provide us feedback in a number of ways on that website. You can leave us a comment. You can complete the listener survey that's there. You can also submit facts. Feedback for our new initiative, Fiction Focus. We're going to be focusing on some authors that um, are very well established in the alternative history world. Our first one's actually going to be Harry Turtledove. So if you've read some of his works, if you have comments of some, on some of his works, if you have a favorite work of his, let us know as we compile our stuff for that uh, focus on Harry Turtledove. And if there's other authors uh, in that alternative history realm that you really like, really enjoy, or don't like, we want to hear that too. Again, go to our website, aforkintimepodcast.com, click on Fiction Focus, and provide us with that feedback. We want to hear it. Please take a few minutes to give us that feedback. It doesn't matter if you've been with us since the beginning, or if you just found us, we would love to hear from you. You can also find links to our social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter and Pinterest, and those are great ways for you to connect with us, but to also tell other people you know about the podcast. But don't also forget the um, the power of just having a conversation with people. That's typically how I tell people about the podcast. I've actually, uh, on my trips, uh, I was able to tell some of the people I was meeting with about the podcast. We even had... Uh, a fairly famous name, who well, I won't, uh, I won't divulge his identity, but I will say, fairly famous name, come down to where I work recently. I even had a conversation about him about the podcast, and I was looking at him, going, "You have Emmy awards, and you're asking me about my my podcast. This is crazy." But <laughs> just have a conversation with people. Uh, I've never been told, you know, oh, I don't want to hear about that. People are actually really interested, so I encourage that for sure. Last but certainly not least, on that website, you will find a link to our Patreon page. If you're so inclined and are able, we would love to have you support the podcast. But of course, the easy way, the easiest way you can support us is by giving us your time when you listen. Whether you're in the car, as of course I've been for the last few weeks, and believe you me, I got a lot of podcast episodes under my belt. Uh, getting ready in the morning, or you're just having a lazy day around the house. 
we appreciate you listening. So this is Alexis Shelley signing off from another episode of A Fork in Time. Uh, And as always with that famous Yogi Berra adage that we tweak just a little bit here on the show. If you find a fork in time, take it. Thanks for listening to A Fork in Time, the alternate history podcast. Learn more about the podcast at www.aforkintimepodcast.com. Join us next time.